Hey folks, welcome to another episode of MLR Kickoff. Uh, we are halfway through. We're halfway through the season, Pete. It's getting, uh, it's getting fiery. It's getting testy. The, the cream, in the words of the Macho Man Randy Savage, oh, the cream's rising to the crop. Oh, yeah. Oh, Professor, you are the cream and you always rise to the top. Hey, Bean Bud, what's going on? In Denver? At home. Yeah. At, yes, at home. me too. Yeah, t- I mean, I think that's two weeks in a row. I think Miracles I might be at home next week. Um, my my wife works for a uh, accounting firm, so this is the busiest time give, of the year. Give so a shout out, Pete. Come on, free publicity. Publicity. Give tandem, a shout. tandem, very very yeah. good, high quality um, accounting firm in Louisville, Colorado, and um, these are two weeks that are marked in my calendar that says do not travel. Yeah, and don't so, get your taxes done by random. Choose tandem. Colorado's oh, yeah. favorite tax company. There you go. Dude. You're going to be busy now, Dude. Yvonne. You could sell sand. You could sell sand to the Egyptians. Oh, yeah. yeah. Egyptians love me too. Big fans of Dan Power over there because they love cats and I'm a big cat, so uh, they absolutely adore me. All right, let's uh, let's jump in. What a week. What a week of action we had. We had some crazy comebacks, some crazy results, and just some, some crazy fans all over the place coming back into the games. Over 3,000 into the New England game on the weekend, which was outstanding. They even had a hot tub there, Pete. But who was your game of the week? Which one do you want to jump into here? So my game of the week is um, New York DC. This oh, was yeah. a really, really, yeah. This was a really interesting game because this was almost a shock. I mean, um, Old Glory first of all got two bonus points. They scored five tries. They finished within seven. Um, that's uh, they now have three points in the season. This isn't a team that's done well. Yeah, it's a, but they really stood up. They stood up in this game, and it looked like a couple of times like New York was going to pull away. Old Glory scrum was creaking. Um, New York kept going. I thought Sam Windsor had had a very very good game. The fiftieth start for for your guy Dan, um, first player I think in MLR history to start fifty games. He is the so, first. Yep. yep. Yeah. So um, and I thought I thought he played he played really really well. And the interesting thing about this game is that. New York, they dominated it. They really did. Um, you know, they, their lineouts were, were were good. They, their lineout ball, which has always been good, is really was was excellent. Um, you know, they 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 had lots of opportunities to score. Old Glory's defense um, really held strong near the goal line a couple of times, and that was one of the things that made this game close. But the interesting thing, and this is sort of the game within the game that I found really interesting, was that a place where Old Glory, and we've spoken about this, I think we may have talked about this last week in the in the deep dive, is um, the uh, is, is the breakdown, and 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 at the point of contact, and the ability for Old Glory to get over the game line to win that point of contact to go forward and to stop New York. New York had seven breakdown penalties. I mean, that's a, I mean, seven would be a low, like in total, but seven in, uh, breakdown penalties. Yeah. Um, and Old Glory, I think, had three breakdown or two breakdown turn or three turnovers at the at the breakdown. So I thought that was um, an, an interesting piece. Um, you know, they had uh, Junior Sale, who was excellent at 12, that got that go forward. But a shout out to Mike DeBoulis. This is like one of these things, played really well, scored a try. Um, you know, really looked like the fly half 
that you want to do. But if you look at the stats, Dan, um, most attempts by a player in Old Glory was Mike DeBoulis with 21 tackle attempts. And um, he uh, um, made 17. So that tells you that New York saw that as a place that they could attack. And and he stood up and defended. He's not a small guy, but defending lines a little bit different than defending, you know, back at fifteen. And I thought I thought he had a he had a really really good game. Yeah, he had a day, didn't he? The chicken. He was looking good. Uh, big future too. I'm, I'm not sure not sure where to play him because he's he's kind of an anomaly. He's not your stereotypical ten, but maybe he'll kind of grow into that role. But wherever he is, you need to get him touches of the ball because he is just dynamic. And uh, you're right, Sam Windsor, 50 starts, had a day out, Sammy, too. Looking uh, looking like he's got more tape on him than the old uh, electrician, though. But, my God, uh, the turf field, when you get older, does take its toll on the body. So don't blame you there, Sammy, and congrats on 50 starts. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game, Pete. So, um, unfortunately, can't well, well, What was your game my... of the week, Dan? Of all the so games the one I watched... Uh, the one I watched uh, was Austin and Houston because I actually thought this was uh, going to be the game of the week. Uh, the Texas well, Cup. And, Austin and on a two-game losing streak. Houston on a two-game yeah. win streak. Mate, it was a disappointment. It was a disappointment. Austin uh, put, put them through the ringer. I didn't see that coming, but uh, I don't know if it's uh, the Dominguez coming back. or what uh, it was. Well, I was going to give you a shout-out, Dan, because you talked about how Austin is different when Dominguez doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Right, they're just not yeah. as good, and and you know he had more meters than anyone else. Um, you know it, he's just he's just a weapon, right? And um, I think Austin kind of showed that they're a class above their their stats. When you look when you look at the stats for Austin, they're, they're the best in the league. They have the best lineup. They have the best tackle defense. Um, they have the most tries. They um, create the most line breaks. They have so many um, good stats. That they, even during their bad times, they were playing well. They just weren't clicking, and so it is a little bit about looking at that special player that can open up and make a difference. Because once once you do that, defenses have to adjust. That creates space somewhere else. So um, Dominguez, Danny's boy, really, really mm. did well. Yeah, the ripped jersey at the back end of the game there too. It's whew, had to kick yeah. uh, kick kick Jenner out of the bed for. 10, 15 minutes while we wrap that game up. It was good stuff. So good to see Austin bounce back. But Houston, geez, they looked uh, they looked clawless. They uh, up and down after two great wins. It'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back this week. They've got they've got the game to bounce back. We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, right now, let, let's bring in our guest, Pete. Uh, I think this could be the youngest guest we've ever had on the show. So we appeal to all generations. It doesn't matter what your birth date is. We've got something for you. We've gone young. We've gone north of the border, up to Canada, to Toronto. Uh, his dad, probably one of the most famous uh, Montrealians, Montrealites, Montreusians, Montreusians. Get us, get us, scary Larry. Hit me up on Twitter, buddy. Let me know what what the name for someone from Montreal is. Ross Brody, the scrum half, soon to be coming back scrum half from the Toronto Arrows. Great to have him on the show a little earlier. Let's uh, dive into that one now and take a listen what the uh, plucky number nine had to say. All right, joining us now is Toronto Arrow, Ross Brody, who joins us all the way from the Great White North. Big fella, thanks for joining us. Uh, Obviously, a challenging start to the season for you, sitting on the sidelines at the moment, but 
Give us an update. How far away from returning are you? Um, I'd say a week or two, um, to be realistic. Hopefully, I'll be back for the game against Houston before our bye week. So, it'll be the goal for now. Well, it'd be good timing after the weekend. Obviously, what is it, four scrum halves for the Arrows on the sideline at the moment? Uh, it's a bit of a cursed run, but... Um... What are you guys doing at training to each other? I thought number nines were meant to take it easy at training, but you guys are belting each other. Yeah, uh, the jersey isn't helping us out at the moment, but uh, it just shows you how hard the nines work with the arrows, so watch out. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. So, um, you know, you're obviously with your accent, you're not from the US. Talk, talk to us a little bit about what brought you to Toronto and what brought you to Major League Rugby and how that happened. Um, so, yeah, for me, I always knew I had Canadian citizenship and a passport and that this would be an option in the future. Um, so I went to the Blue Bulls Rugby Union after school and there were some limited opportunities for me. Um, so Kingsley Jones and Jamie Cutmore reached out to me just after the COVID pandemic and invited me to one of the national camps. And I decided to go join that and to see how it is. And after the camp, um, Mark Winneker and some of the Arrows management reached out and offered me an opportunity in the MLO. And I thought that that'd be a great step in my career. And I'm really happy with the decision I made, yeah. So um, when did you turn up in Toronto for the first time? For the first time was in February 2021. Um, um, any shock? With oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was it was crazy. I had to do a two week quarantine, and it was good to see the snow for the first time in the first week. But got over it pretty quickly, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm a young fellow. Pro- Have you seen the movie Cool Runnings? Was it similar oh. to that when they get out at the Winter Olympics? Uh, I'm not sure if I've seen that movie now. Oh, oh I think Ross. the movie was made while Ross was actually alive, Dan. I think <laughs> I think it was probably made in the '80s. <laughs> I've just I've just organised your evening for you. Cool runnings, some of John Candy's best work. Go go watch okay. it. Okay, I'll definitely give it a eye. Sorry, Pete. Um, continue. No, no problem. No, no, we have to get our pop culture. I mean, I know Cool Runnings, and I know that scene. So that's how famous it is, Ross. It's not one of Dan's more obscure <laughs> pop culture references. So, so talk about like that that first season with with Toronto and the adjustment. I mean, first of all, not being able to go outside for more than 15 minutes with exposed skin, finding out that most of Toronto is underground, um, and then going and training in a dome, right? Those were, those were the, the starts. But then, but then you go somewhere warm, right? You end up going to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah so, so. Uh, it was definitely a, a difficult move to make. Um, I've never trained in a dome before until I was here, but I'm truly thankful for that because I wouldn't be able to train on site. Um, I think the hardest for me was training box and um, really simulating a game situation um, at training because of the roof and stuff. So it is pretty tough to dictate how well you are kicking or if you're on the right track. Um, but still worked pretty well and was a great setup that the arrows give us in the winter to train in and stuff. So that's really, really good. And then at first going to Atlanta was was amazing because it was just better better weather you can you can just train with your top off and just be in the sun um 
but yeah, definitely the hotel living and the situation we've been in was was definitely not ideal. All right, buddy. Your, your dad was born in Montreal. Let's get the story there. One of the great cities of Canada, Montreal. I went there once in 2004. Fell in love six times in one night. Uh, <laughs> um, brilliant city. How did he end up there? How, well, obviously, he was born there, but what's the backstory? Like, fill me in on how you tie into Canada. Yeah, so I actually asked him the previous time I went home because I was, I was also not sure how everything fit together. And um, he told me his, his parents went on an extended holiday and just traveling the world. And they happened to find themselves in Montreal when he was born. So lucky for me. And then they stayed here for a couple of years and moved back to South Africa. Oh, so he, he spent a couple of years there as, as a child, obviously as a baby. Yeah. yeah. How cool is that? Isn't that the, uh, the old sliding doors moment? Uh, another reference there, Gwyneth Paltrow movie, catches a train, misses a train, you follow both stories. Not as good as Cool Runnings, but you should watch it anyway. Uh, what country are you glad he wasn't born in? Like, where would you not want to be playing rugby now? Don't say Australia. <laughs> no, honestly, um, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I'm pretty happy with anything, but I'm, I'm happy with this opportunity. I can't pinpoint one specific country I wouldn't want to play for. Um, so... Ah, oh, good man. Let's talk about your upbringing in South Africa. You you go to one of the great rugby schools, not only in South Africa, but probably in the world, Grays College. Um, I don't think that's an overstatement saying that, just looking at the list of players that have come out of there. How was that experience going to, to such an esteemed school? And tell us about some of your uh, more famous teammates that have kicked on as well. Um, yeah, for sure. Like Gray College has definitely been probably the platform for me in my career um i don't think i would be a professional rugby player if i didn't go through gray um i've learned so much and the quality and the professionalism on a school level is it's not understandable so um yeah that's really been the the school and that's been the way that's forming me and um that formed me to be a player in this league today and then um, you have to think of famous players who who I played with or played against um, from Gray. Not anyone in the Springboks yet, but um, there's a few in the Super Rugby playing for the Bulls and, and the Stormers uh, for the Bulls, like David Creel um, and for the Stormers, Rickus Pretorius. And yeah, those are the two main guys I've played with. Um, there's a few also in the Curry Cup and in the big leagues, just not in the in in the Springbok squad as of yet. What about during your entire time there? Because I remember like similar situation, went to an all-boys school in Australia. Rugby was the predominant sport, and I remember being in like eighth grade and watching the first 15, and those guys just seemed like gods. And now you go back and look at 17, 18-year-olds, and you're like – how do they survive playing a contact sport? They're tiny. But uh, was there anyone when you came through that you were like, oh, my God, this this guy is the makings of a future Springbok and has, has gone on and, and hit that pinnacle? Uh, one, when I came into Grey, uh, Henry Immelmann, he was one of the guys I thought was going to make it to the Springboks. He's playing for Edinburgh at the moment in Scotland. So mm-hmm. uh, he was one of the guys I really thought was going to make it. Um, he he has made it, not not thinking he didn't. Um, he's playing in one of the top leagues in the world. Um, and then, 
No, I don't think in the five years I've been there, um, there's been someone who's played Springboks yet, no. Yeah. Trying to think back from my generation, probably the biggest name then would have been Bismarck Duplessis, who went on and played. Do the guys come back? Is it like, because it's such a, I'm looking through some of the old boys now and it's crazy some of the names. Do they come back? Like you, you playing like first 15 and these legends come back to the school to watch you guys play? Or is there not that kind of alumni connection there? No, for sure. Um, they come back heaps and whenever they find themselves in the country, they'd come watch the first 15 games because it's just, it's just so special playing for the first team and that's cool and it never really goes away. Um, I mean, there's like for first 15 games, it'd be like between 20 and 30,000 people watching. So that's it's massive crowds for schoolboy team and they'd, um, come talk in the hall um, on Fridays and give back to the school in our school hall. They'd come give their Springbok jerseys and it would be in cases all around the hall and stuff like that. So, yeah, know, they'd definitely come back and try and give back to the school and meet up with the boys playing rugby and giving advice and just sharing their wisdom. All right, let's fast forward to the Arrows this year. Obviously, you're itching to get back on the field and contribute. Uh Still in contention in the East. The East is still wide open for the Arrows. You have a stretch here of playing at home for the majority of your games coming into the, the final series. What do you need to do and what do you need to turn around to get yourselves back into contention there for that top three spot? Um, so I think the simple answer would be win every game with a bonus point. Um, that is the job we have to do. And then, yeah, I think more technical side of things. First of all, we need to get our bodies back on the field. Um, I think we've got much better depth this year, um, but still playing without eight or nine players who's usually in that 23 lineup. So getting the boys back on their feet, back into the team would be massive for us. And yeah, just think backing ourselves and backing our skills because we've got great coaches, great players, talent and skill and the boys work so hard, so I just think playing to our strengths and and backing ourselves to get the win. And as you said, we've got the home advantage now, and our fans have been itching to watch us at home, so we need to use that to our advantage as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about this week's game. Again, you said you're, you're a week or two away, so we won't see you in action against Old Glory. Uh, they they made quite the resurgence against New York. and They looked like a, a different team, a, a change at the coaching position can sometimes do that. What are the concerns or, or, or things to watch out for this weekend as you uh, and the Arrows take on Old Glory? Um, yeah, as you said, different team this week. They're not the same team we faced in the first few weeks. So for us, it's going to be really not thinking about the first two games we've played against them and really going from the start, giving them a respect they deserve after this weekend's performance against New York. Um, big physical team. So, and they've got a good defensive system, good attack, pretty aggressive. So, for us, it's going to be really to to uh, arrive at that game and really fight for the win because it's going to be a, a big match. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, nothing's going to come easy for us. So, if we just work hard, focus and um, never never lose that focus. We'll never switch off for a second. Then we'll be good. Beautiful stuff, man. Well, 
get healthy. We're excited to see you get back on the field. I'm sure Arrows fans are going to be excited to see you get back on the field this year. Uh, stay warm. It looks like you still got the jacket on, so Toronto <laughs> probably not as warm as it needs to be just yet for the for the South African in you to get shirtless again for training, maybe <laughs> June or July for that one. But I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck for the rest of the season. Excited to see you get back out there uh, for the Toronto Arrows, mate. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Perfect. Ross Brody from the Toronto Arrows joins us, and he will be back in action in a couple of weeks there for the Arrows. There you go. What a story, what a story huh? It pays to travel the world sometimes because you never know where it will put your kids in 20 years. So <laughs> get your passport done, parents, and, and go make love around the world. And one day your son could play rugby for another country. Good stuff. Yeah. I, I, uh, and, and that shock for someone from South Africa going to Toronto. I mean, I remember the first time I went to Toronto for work. Yeah, first time I'd been there. And I'm like walking around. I'm like, where? Like, I want coffee. Where are all the coffee shops? And all the coffee shops are underground. Because if you live in Toronto, there's a large chunk. You want to go outside. And so you, I could walk from my hotel about 10 city blocks down to my client and never see the sun. Oh, Toronto. I'll see you in July, Toronto. Not a day earlier than that. All right, Pete, let's transition. It is time for the Professor's Breakdown Rugby 101 with the Professor Pete Steinberg. What are we talking about tonight? Well, in honor of, of, of Ross and Ross Brody and all scrum hubs, um, I want to talk a little bit about what a difference it makes when you're playing behind a pack that's going forward. So you always want to be careful. This was actually one of the biggest challenges when you're a selector for a national team is that if, if you had great eight forwards in, in front of a scrum half, they made the scrum half look good. And so a dominant team, their scrum half will always look better than the team that's behind them. It's the reason why, you know, scrum, you know they're called scrum halves, right? So they're half forwards, half backs. But a scr- good scrum half spends way more time with the forwards, like takes them out to dinner, make sure they have everything, because when the forwards do their job, your job is easier. So so why why is that? Well, there's... There's a couple of things. First of all, it's it's good. It's easy to look good with um, as a scrum half when the ball is provided to you easily. So when it's placed back, good position, you can snap that ball away with a pass. Um, it's easy to move the ball off the ground because there's no legs in the way. That's what your forwards do for you. They clear out that ball and they make sure that that ball is available for you. And of course, that starts, and if you've listened to this series, it starts with the scrum and the line out. It starts with the set piece. So dominant set piece that goes forward allows the team to go forward. If your team goes forward, it's easier to get good ball. On the other side, it's really difficult to look good when you're going backwards. We see this a couple of times right now in, in, in Major League Rugby, and it's not even team versus team, but it might be based on subs. But you'll see one team gets the edge in the scrum. And as soon as that team gets, gets the edge in the scrum, it becomes almost impossible for the, for the scrum half to be able to do anything to get that ball out, right? They're scrambling. They're just trying to get their hands on the ball. They want the number eight to pick it up. All of those things are true. The same in the line-out. What you want from the line-out is you want the ball, and, and you know, really good line-out jumpers will do this. They'll throw the ball to the back hip of the scrum half. So they'll take it in the air. They'll throw it to the back hip because that's the back, um, that's the back swing of the scrum half pass. Scrum half passes are just like, Golf swings, 
Um, they're just like baseball or softball swings. Pretty easy. You want to be able to transfer your weight. So you want to start your weight on the back foot. And so when you get the ball from a line out to your back hip, as a scrum half, you don't have to take any extra steps. You can move it. If you get it to the front hip, you've got to make an extra step. You make an extra step, potentially a player's coming through. And, you know, you'll see scrum halves. And, and I've, you know, I've been, Dan, you might be surprised. I was known to be, to talk a little bit as a scrum half when I was on, when I was mm. on the pitch, just a little. And so when, when my jumpers weren't giving the ball to me on my back hip, I, I kind of let them know that that wasn't what I want. So forwards are the ones that make the scrum halves look good. If you want an analogy, it's a little bit like a good offensive line is what makes the quarterback and the running back look good. Very, very similar. So if when you, when you see a pack going forwards and you see a team um, and, and, you, and you, the scrum half looks great, right? Har- you know, um, Harrison Goddard had this, I think, at the start of last year. He looked like a world-class scrum half. And he is a very, very good scrum half. But behind a pack that was going forward, like the LA Guilty was, he looked absolutely top-notch. So I, I actually, you know, there, there were some players like... Uh, um, Danny Tusatalo at DC still looks like a good scrum half, even though his pack has struggled all year, right? We talked a little bit about how they good. And when he was able to play on the front foot, he was really able to generate a lot of offense, a couple, couple of bits and pieces. But most of the season, we haven't seen the best of Danny just because he's playing behind a pack that's going backwards. Mm. And it is a challenge. I mean, like you said, we've seen already in the first five years, sometimes those scrums just going backwards. It's ball in, ball out, and the scrum half. Really, their only job is to, to get that thing to the ten as quick as, and cleanly as possible as opposed to doing anything strategic or attacking off the back, having that nine jump out and or with the eight and jump out. So good stuff, Pete. Good stuff. Look, a little bit of a little bit of a softball there for you, the former number nine, talking about number nine. So... We'll, ch- yep. we'll test you next week. We'll talk about tight head props. I, I, dude, I, I love talking about tight head props. Bring it on. Talk about loose head props. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know which side they are, Dan? No, I still haven't figured that out. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. We should oh, definitely the, talk about uh, it. Tight head's on the tight side and then the loosey's on the loose side. Good right? job. Perfect. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You nailed it. I know the hook is in the middle. <laughs> See, Come yeah, on, man. Again, uh, I know my stuff. You I know are my stuff. There. And you too can know your stuff if you watch the games this weekend. And this is how to watch them, and where to watch them, and when to watch them. No Friday night football. Shame on you, Major League Rugby. I'm going to blame Aaron Castro again. He had nothing to do with the schedule, but I'm blaming Aaron for not putting Friday night footy on for me this week. Actually, I'm working Friday night, so thanks, Aaron, for hooking me up and not wasting a game Friday. Appreciate it. Saturday, we kick off 12 Eastern. It's Old Glory at Toronto. We talked about that with Ross just a little bit ago. Pete, this is a game that Old Glory could really get their first win. Not that they are a better side than Toronto. They are just healthier than Toronto right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you think that win that Toronto had might be the most, like, I I don't know. I I think that'll be be stuck in, in Toronto law for a long time not just because it was their first home game for more than a thousand days, but because like they were so beaten up, like, like, you know, Sam Malcolm's playing scrum half for the whole game. Will Kelly moves to 10 and somehow they, they put it off with that quatrain try at the end. Did they lose? Atlanta beat them. (laughs) Oh man, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about the game before. (laughs) It's all right. It's all right. Hey, we all get there. Technically, 
technically there is a little bit of controversy around the ending there because there uh, is, oh, that's right. I was talking about the week before this one. Technically, there's some controversy about the try happen at the end, right? What's the law there? What do you so, think? So this is interesting, right? So, so the law is if you have the ball and you go out of bounds, you cannot score the try. But if right. you don't have the ball, you can right. actually touch it down and score the try. I mean, I said like try. The I, I, it, it, yeah, it's difficult to see if there's someone. It, yeah, I, I would. I was surprised. If, I think that might have been one of what did the referee call first? Right. It doesn't matter because that was the best TMO we've had all season. The camera actually had something. <laughs> we had actual evidence, which we haven't had. And the evidence clearly shows a Toronto hand grounding the ball in the in goals. Try. Like, I don't know how we messed that up. Oh, well. Yeah. Next week. All right, that so one's anyway, on the Rugby was, Network. Sorry, was, Rugby I, Network. Yeah, let's move it on. Oh, glory, Toronto. Who you got in this one, Pete? Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's okay. Oh, glory, Toronto. Let me remember, is that this week or is that the week after this week or last week? Uh, um, I, 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 I have, in 2022. Um, so, so interesting, Nate Osborne. We've, we've had some coaching changes, right? So Nate, um, uh, um, Nate Osborne now comes in as the interim head coach. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe had a practice or two before the game, no. but now he has a full week. No. Zero. Traveled with the team to the game, and he flew back early from Australia to do that. His first day was today, and we're recording on a Monday, just so everyone knows. His first oh, day wow. with the team officially was today. Observing so, the game on Sunday. Yeah, so it's that's interesting, right? Because that was a different old glory team. So maybe it was more player led, right? Which it is, is always a good someone, thing. For someone gets fired, the message it sends, like all of a sudden it's like, ooh, that yeah, could happen to right. me. Yeah. So so one of you know, what you know, Andrew Douglas leaving is one of two changes that that that, that we've heard. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about the next one. But you know, so you so a week for um for Nate Osborne, not much you can do, right? Especially uh, especially with the travel. Um, I think it's, I know like that old glory performance is tempting. It's tempting to look and see like Toronto don't, don't have a huge scrum. They're a little bit beaten up. You think they're so beaten up, Pete. Yeah. I, yeah, I know, but they played Atlanta so close beaten up. I mean, Atlanta's a very, I mean, is Atlanta better than old glory? Yeah. Yeah, but Atlanta were, weren't at full strength, and it was first time game in a thousand. There's a lot of emotion into it as well. I uh, I would hope they don't pick Sam Malcolm at nine. Just I don't think you weaken ten. To yeah, no, nine. I agree. I, yeah, I, I don't know if there's anyone left standing. I kind of made a joke that hey, Jamie McKenzie's trying to put down the yeah. headset and put down the poutine and just get out there for a couple of games, but we'll see. It I'll, I'll, I'll pick Toronto. Yeah, that's, I, I, that's yeah. Amazing. I, I, I still think, I still think it's Toronto. I think that like Old Glory performance was great, but um, it'll be close. Old Glory will be in this. I think, I think that's what we can say. All right, a little later down the coast, it's Seattle on the road against New England. This one on the Rugby Network at four thirty Eastern. Pete, who do you like here? Well, this is a this is an interesting game. I, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm, I'm a I'm a believer in New England. Me too. I think Burden Walker may be out, but I don't think it is going to be right, an but issue. They've got Harrison Boyle, like, like they've actually got two. 
two yeah. quality fl- fly halves. Like, yeah. I mean, first of all, let's just say Toronto had four scrum halves in their squad that they could lose. Like, that's a lot of scrum halves to have yeah. in your squad, right? Um, but yeah, so I think I think New England, I, I think Seattle are a very, very good side. Um, I mean, this is becoming like every team has played um, eight games. Uh, you know, Seattle's going to remain in touch. Um, you know, these are these are two two good teams. It's going to be close, but I think New England's a long trap. So I think yeah. I think New England. No boating, Walker, but Vion Conradi comes back for the Free Jacks. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he play been, this weekend? Yeah, he's playing this week. So unless he's been smashing the Yorkshire pudding over in Gloucester, he'll be in shape and rearing to go. So I'll pick New England in this one as well. All right, Saturday night, it's the big southern rivalry, New Orleans and Atlanta. This one at NOLA. Pete, how, how are you leaning in this one? Oh, this is the rivalry, right? This is the Atlanta-New Orleans rivalry. Yeah, this is it. I, you know, um, NOLA had like a bad first half, good second half, right? against New England. So which, which team comes out? Um, ATL were able to hold on. Like you said, probably not the best ATL side. I, I think I'm going to go with ATL here. I, I think it's going to be um, – this NOLA team seems a bit inconsistent and a little flaky, but I think the ATL side isn't. So I'm going with ATL. Me too. ATL for the win on the road. They, they seem to have the – the wood on Nola, like we've done some games over the years yeah. down there, and even ATL come away with wins then. So I'll say ATL will keep the uh, dominance in that rivalry going. Uh, another late game Saturday, also at eight PM. This one is an all Texas showdown. The Jackals on the road against the SaberCats at Aviva on the Rugby Network. Who do you like here, Pete? Um, I think I like the Houston SaberCats. I think they're going to bounce back. I, they yeah. they weren't very good. Um, you know, Dallas were, you know, good on them. They, they had that accident at their stadium. They lost, um, I think, I think nine players were injured, but they lost a handful that couldn't play. That's not something that, that you want for a team that is already thin because they're an expansion team. I think Dallas will continue to show that they can play in periods, but just not for 80 minutes. And I think the Sabercats will be licking their wounds after the game last week. Sabercats will get this one done at home pretty easily, I imagine. Moving on to Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, it's Austin on the road against San Diego, a game that could decide the West as it's 1v2 over there. Pete, what yeah, do you think? Can we, um, this, this, I think, should be our game preview of the week, Dan. You want to okay. hold on to it? Yeah, 7 o'clock, same day. FS2, this one, it's New York on the road against L.A. So, uh a big trip there for New York all the way out to the Coliseum. Who do you like here? I thought this was going to be your game of the week. I apologize. Oh, number one versus number two. Um, I'm going to go with the Guiltinis. I actually think they're coming into form. They're a little bit different than they were last time. Um, maybe not quite as explosive, but um, Burton, Burton in the centers really makes a difference in terms of how they play and how they can play with width. Um, this New York team, uh, they're going to be – you know, it'll be interesting to see how they go. They had a little bit of a shake up in the pack. Um, I think I think we might see a different pack. I think the scrum is going to be really, really um, important. So, um, I think I think I'm going to go with uh, with with LA at home. Yeah, hard to argue with that. LA maybe running themselves into form, and shockingly enough, they're third in the standings on the West Coast. It feels like 
They've been so up and down this year, but they have stayed in touch and now find themselves in third place out west. A win here would keep them in touch because Austin, San Diego, barring a draw, someone's going to lose there. Uh, and that would be big for LA to jump up into that second spot uh, eventually. All right, let's go talk that uh, the big game, Austin-San Diego. This one in San Diego. Uh, the Legion going into this game without Nate Augsburger picked up uh, what appears to be a pretty nasty leg injury in that game. Uh, just shout out to Nate, who's just an absolute stand-up guy. One of the, one of the greats uh, in, in not only MLR, but USA Rugby. We know he had a big injury last year as well, lower leg injury. Another one for him, and we just you know wish nothing but the best for Nate for a speed recovery to get back on the field and get healthy again as soon as possible. But Pete, what do you think of this one? This is going to be a really interesting game. I mean, you know, I've talked about how much uh, I, I admire Austin and how they play. They certainly have, um, you know, some great stats. They create more line breaks than than anyone else in the team. Um, they have, uh, um, a great, you know, very strong tackle percentage. Um, San Diego is actually a little bit more physical in defense. And I think that's going to be important, but I think where this game is going to be won and lost is going to be in the scrum. I think this will be, um, a, a close game. And I think that, um, uh, Austin have had one of the best scrums in the league. And I think the, um, It'll be interesting to see if San Diego can match that. The other, the other thing I thought I thought was interesting, and and it'll be interesting to see what happens at nine for San Diego. But I thought the team played actually better with Joe Peterson at ten, um, and I think they they will continue continue to see that they've got tons of depth in that backline, right? I mean, you know, they scored forty points, and Marnonu didn't play. Um, Tian Lutz has a, had another good game. This is a just keeps moving around, but keeps keeps playing well. Um, but I think I think Austin in the set piece are going to be be good. Um, Mason Mack had a great game at ten, I thought last week, and so the battle of the tens will be really really important. But I think that it's going to be in the scrum that that is going to be a, um, the challenge for San Diego. I think Austin will have the edge, and I think Austin get it because they have that edge. Yeah, I'm going Austin. I really feel as though they've, you know, played themselves into form. Dominguez back. Uh, listen, it, it's come to light that there's been some off-field stuff happening in Austin uh, with the sale of that team that now seems imminent, and that can affect. It trickles down an organization. Yeah. That's fair enough. I feel like that is getting close to a conclusion now to the point where I think the players feel as though they have some – security and some direction with what's going to happen uh, for their playing futures with the Austin franchise. And they're going to be the team to beat in the West here. And losing Nate at nine is just a big loss for San Diego. It'll be a tough one to overcome. He just provides so much. So I'll go Austin on the road here to get a win and stay on top. Pete, before we go, Sean Pittman today announced that he has been relieved of his duties at Utah your initial thoughts on this. And again, very fresh news when we're recording. It's just happened a few hours ago. So um, you can you can take a pass if you don't feel prepared. I have a feeling that you'll have a thought on it anyway. <laughs> yeah, even if I don't know what I'm talking about, as I've shown several times um, in the show today, I will, I will certainly have an opinion. I mean, I was actually quite surprised at this. Obviously, Utah, a team that made the playoffs last year, um, you know, didn't, you know, haven't been doing well uh, and are on the cusp of being outside, right? They're, they're probably one loss away from, from losing 
um, a, uh, a like like a spot in you know for being able to you know for losing touch with the with with the top teams in the West. I guess what's surprising to me about it, and and, and maybe there's more that, that will come out, is that Utah have never seemed to me like a knee jerk reaction. They've never mm-hmm. seemed like a team that they've they've built it for the long term, right? They've you know we had Kimball Carr on, and he talked about the need to like develop Americans, you know, um, Sean Pittman, obviously, you know, a, a young American coach. I mean, could he have been elevated a little bit too quickly? Right. And, um, did things work out for them? Uh, maybe a little bit too luckily that kind of like, maybe, maybe his interim year set a standard that was unfair, right. For a guy that had never really been a head coach at this level. And so, but, but that, so it, it was a shock to me because obviously, you know, they've had some good games that they haven't had some good, um, that, you know, they, but they haven't played consistently and that's definitely clear. So, it, um, but I, I, I felt like Utah would be in it with Sean Pittman for the long haul for his development. Um, but obviously not. And, uh, I'm sure they've got a plan B, um, and, uh, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that plan B is. Yeah. Listen, the outside looking in, it seems like a really odd move. And, and usually these situations, Pete, unless you're inside the organization, you don't have the full picture. Right. Uh, there's only going to be a few people that had the full picture, and I'm guessing they'll probably not make a public comment on it. I know Sean probably won't just because he's not that kind of guy, and the Warriors aren't probably going to want to dive into this much deeper uh, just to avoid the, the microscope on how they do things. I agree with you. I think Sean Pittman is an extremely talented young coach. Um, I even mentioned on social media today, coach of the year seems like a tombstone because both yeah. coach of the year's got fired the year after. Um, I, I think that the Warriors are significantly weaker this year than last year. I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think it's a recruiting thing. You lost both nines in, in Basker and Hurst. You lost your 10 in Schulte. You lost Sam and Malolo, who was your most dynamic forward in the front row. You've lost your biggest line-out threat, Aston Fortain, and you did nothing to replace them. Like, yeah. That's the cold, hard facts of it. You took five pretty significant weapons that helped drive that side to, uh, you know, a, a bounce of a ball to getting to the championship and didn't replace them. And this yeah, so, is what happens. So, so what? What's interesting, right? Is is what's the role of the head coach, um, to uh, um, in in that recruitment or in those decisions? Yep. And if that's again, again, we don't know yeah. that, Pete. And if right. Sean was in charge of recruiting, then I understand this decision. That's that's on him. But if he's not, then that arrow has to point in a different direction. Yeah. Um, and from talking to the, some of the players inside there, they had nothing but great things to say about Sean. Again, personally, former teammate of mine, I really, really like the guy a lot. And from my conversations, from, from a rugby standpoint, very high Q, knows the game well, obviously played right. at the highest level, but also had a great tutelage under, under some very good coaches. And, yeah, was but, young, but was, yeah. was in a position I mean, I just Yeah, I... I, I, I like, like the, what I feel about this, Dan, is I think it's a little bit, un, you know, I think it's unfair of Sean. I'm always going to take the coach's side on this, right, as a, as mm-hmm. a coach. But I feel it's a little bit, un, um, I feel like it's a, a little unfair to have him, to give him the interim title the whole of last season, right? The whole of last season, it's like you're the interim, 
Like they didn't make him the head coach immediately. They said, you're the interim the whole of the whole of last season. And then at the end of the season said, oh, you had a really good year. So we're going to make you now the full-time head coach based on one year and then be surprised that he does, that he struggles. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, like having be the interim the whole year. Hey, you did really great. You have some growth to do. We're going to bring in a head coach. We want to stay, keep you as, you know, assistant head coach or something like that. I think there's something that around there that, you know, that that's the thing that kind of shocked me about it was just, you know, keeping the interim head, you know, interim coach the whole way. And because of one good season, making the head coach. And then because of one half season change coaches just seems, seems, seems a bit strange, but like, like you said, Dan, you know, I trust the people at the warriors, like they're good people. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I think they're smart people. I think they know what's going on better than we do. Um, it's mm-hmm. just from the outside. It, it looks strange. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And this is a reality of professional sports too. Like this is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah uh, that, we... well, well, that's the other thing, right? The other thing is it's a professional league. You're looking at, 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 at the, you're halfway through, you're looking at the, the table and you're like, we need to make a change if we want to make the playoffs. And that is what professional sports is. So, so I don't disagree with the decision like to change the coach now, maybe what I'm saying is that maybe I disagree with the decision of making him the head coach after last year. Mm, I don't know. I tend to disagree with the decision, but again, they have a plan for the future. And if that plan needs to be executed now, then I understand that as well. But um, boy, you'd want to start winning now for sure. Yeah. Otherwise what kind of statement (laughs) does that make? I was going to say, no one's buying a house in, in Major League Rugby when they're a head coach, they're like, okay. Even well, I think Nate Osborne year. is now the only coach that's been let go from their team that has taken another, even though it is an interim tag, another head coaching role. Am I wrong right? there? I'm trying to think through that I don't think. That is uh, correct. Yep, there you go. Holy um, is the only, I guess, one that people have looked at, but he has not grabbed another job so far. So... And he was the defense coach for the Eagles, but now Scott Lawrence has rejoined the Eagles staff. So there you go. Well, and Sean Pittman is probably going to be joining the Eagles staff. So, you know, the Warriors, like Major League Rugby's loss might be the Eagles game. I will tell you, Sean Pittman will be head coach in Major League Rugby again. I have no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a matter of where – uh, he wants to go next. So um, a year off back with the Eagles will be good for him. Like you said, Pete, give him some more time. Uh, he'll be better for the experience. But that's uh, that's it, buddy. Wraps it up. Little, little, little fire at the end. A little passion from Steinberg. I love I it. I know. Well, you know, we talk about coaches. It, it's, it, it is, it's the reason you don't sleep when you're a coach isn't about what you can control. It's about what you can't control. Yeah. And, 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 and that like, as a national team coach, you can, can pretty much control everything. And I still couldn't sleep because there's still a bunch of stuff you can't control, but as a major league rugby coach, right. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's out there that, that, that you can't control. And, and you see this in traditional American sports where coaches want to be the general manager and the head coach when they can't be that. But what they're really saying is I want to be able to have the say in my success and not have someone else do it. So, so I, I feel for, um, the coaches. I'm, I'm happy to see maybe Nate opening the door to others to, to get back. I hope I hope Nate Nate does well. Um, you know his his fly in and presence on the sideline 
obviously invigorated DC, which could just be everyone's now playing for their spots, right? I mean, that's one of the things that happens when a new coach comes in. So, so yeah, stuff I get passionate about. I love it. I love it when you get all fired up. This is my favorite, Professor. All right, mate, that wraps it up. Enjoy the games this weekend. There should be some good ones there. Like you said, one versus two in the West will be a big one. Uh, for the Professor, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty, our entire crew, I'm Dan Power, and we'll see you next time.